I want to take you back because it was a couple of months ago, I started a series called Living a Resilient Life. And um, I got excited about it, but it got waylaid by transition and all kinds of things. So I wanted to pick it back up this morning. And so I want to take you back and review because we've been really going through the life of Joseph and he's been so impressive to me in terms of his resiliency, his ability to bounce back and to overcome through so much adversity in his life. And so week one, if you remember, we said resilient people do not allow the past to dictate the future. Um, remember, Joseph was born in a very dysfunctional family. He was, uh, had multiple brothers and sisters, stepbrothers and sisters. There was four women in the relationship, one biological mom that he had, and then a couple stepmoms. It was kind of messy, and he was spoiled. And if you remember, his brothers rejected him and, and uh, were very jealous of him and sold him into slavery. So, but he didn't allow those kinds of things in his past to really dictate his attitude towards the future, which is a very powerful thing about a resilient person. But secondly, in week two, we talked about how resilient people have clarified their convictions before temptation comes. See, resilient people have been able to set boundaries in their life and so that when issues are confronting them that are really difficult or challenging or whatever, they've already got a fairly good base of truth and conviction in their heart and life in order to withstand against the temptations. And if you remember, Potiphar had some very, or Potiphar's wife had some ideas of, of sexual ideas with, with Joseph. And Joseph, because of his convictions, stood his ground and had his boundaries set, even though he had to pay a horrible price for, the, for resisting that temptation in his life. So that's week two. But week three, or this week, we're going to talk about how resilient people learn how to bloom wherever they are planted. Now, if you remember, we left off jo Joseph in prison because if you remember, he refused to sleep with Potiphar's wife and she was very upset about that and be being a spurned, quote, lover, if you will, she told her husband lies and, and Joseph ends up in a deep, dark prison cell for his conviction of not doing that. So let's pick up the story here and uh, we're gonna look at verse um, 20. Joseph's master in chapter 39 of, of, of uh, Genesis, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. We're gonna stop right there. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, this is really an important concept here because I think no matter what circumstances you find yourself, God will always, always, always be with you. Now, for some of you, that might be a real comforting thought. And for some of you, that might be a little scary thought. Because sometimes when we understand how God is present with us, even in our private life, our thought life, in front of the computer or the television or whatever it is, God is with us all the time. In fact, scripture tells us this in Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer tells us that we are to keep on loving each other as brothers. Now, this is interesting because what he's doing here, I think, is giving us a grocery list or a little bit of a smorgasbord of where you can find God's presence. And so he starts out by saying, keep on loving each other as brothers. So he said, relationally, in our relationships, God is with us. And then he says, do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison. So he says, now, he says, don't forget about entertaining strangers. You know, you, you, God is with you when you're in the realm of hospitality. And then he goes on to say, remember those who are in prison or fellow prisoners, people who are, who are incarcerated, people, no matter where you are, God is with you even in, in prison, just like we see with Joseph at this point. And then he says, then there's those who are mistreating you or yourselves who are suffering. 
So whatever suffering's going on in your life, God is still with you. And then the writer goes on to say, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed should be kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So he's saying in your married life, God is with you. And he goes on to say, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, stop there. He said, he's even involved with your money, your, 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 your finances. God is with you in that area of your life. And so he concludes this list by saying this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So what, what I sense that Joseph understood, no matter how difficult his mess was, no matter how frustrating he was in terms of his circumstances, he knew that God was with him. And my question to you this morning, do you realize that God is with you in whatever circumstances that you are in? He is with you, is with you. That should be comforting. Now, his circumstances were that he was put in prison for something he didn't do. He was essentially, by the way, on death row. Because when people were held captive in, in Egypt during that particular period of time, it was at the total discretion of the Pharaoh as to what kind of punishment that a person would have. So there wasn't like if you have petty theft, you would do a year or two, uh, and there were different sizes of felonies or misdemeanors. What it really was saying is that when you go to prison, you're essentially on death row. And so this was really a tough place for Joseph to be for doing the right thing. So his life seemed to be totally in the hands of people of the authorities, and yet he knew that God was with him. Have you ever felt like in your own life that God wasn't with you? Have you ever felt that way? You just felt like that God's just kind of taken a, taken a little bit of a, a hiatus? You know, he, he's not around anymore. I, I remember many times in my life where I just felt like, you know, God, where are you? Where, where are you in this situation? I remember one particular time when I was very, very frustrated in my first church. And I, I, I was, uh, it, there were some really difficult times and I was so angry and frustrated. And I remember getting up in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning and I went for a walk in the woods and, and I, I just yelled and I said, God, where are you? And, and I remember hearing the still small voice, you know, Tom, if you'd shut up, I'd tell you where I am. And I remember, I remember walking down the road and I began to hear the rustling of the trees and I, I saw the moon rising from the, from the lake that we were on and I began to realize, you know what? He's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. God is with us all the time, even when we're frustrated, even when we feel like he's abandoned us. We've got to keep that in mind. And I think the way Joseph handled his time in prison is he just knew that God was with him. Now let's look at uh, the next portion here in chapter, in verse 21, because I think this is really important. It said, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, it's really fascinating to me that Joseph, first of all, when he went to Potiphar's as a slave, he rose to the top, right? And he became uh, Potiphar's right-hand man. And again, now here he is in prison, and again, he finds favor with the prison warden. And this is the second principle, I think, of resilient people. Resilient people look for ways that God is at work in their lives, no matter how difficult the circumstances. Resilient people look for ways that God is at work in their lives, no matter how difficult the circumstances. You know what? So Joseph's in prison. 
So you know what? But it's really interesting. I have found favor with the warden. And I got to believe that that's a God thing. And I'm wondering if, if there's times in our lives where we, we find ourselves in difficult places and we just feel like, where's God in all of this? And is he still at work? Not only is he with me, but is he working? Is he doing something? Is he, is he progressing something? Is he trying to do something in my life? And I really see that this is what Joseph had seen here, that he was finding favor no matter what circumstances he was in. And it was sort of a God thing in his life. That same period of time in my life when I was so disappointed and frustrated in the church and I ended up resigning and I thought, God, you know, my father-in-law had passed away during that period of time, which was really a hard thing to swallow. And I just felt like God was just so far away from me. And, and yet when I resigned from the church, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a job, but a couple of guys in the church came along and they offered me a job to be a carpenter and a rough one at that. But nonetheless, I saw God working in that area of my life to realize that I still care about you. I still love you as difficult it is. I'm still around and I know things look rough, but God is still at work in my life. God still cares about me. And I'm hoping that whatever circumstances that you're in right now that might be frustrating, it might be a physical problem, it might be a spiritual problem, it might be emotional problems, it might be financial or relational problems or whatever it is, that you realize that God's still at work. And it's really important for us to find those ways that God is at work and to celebrate those. So that's principle number two. So the warden puts him in charge of all the prisoners, it says in verse 22. This is really interesting because in those days, there was nobody there to really keep track. And so they needed a scribe for the prison. In other words, they needed somebody that was sort of like the CPA or the accountant for the prison. And, and because Joseph apparently was one of the literate guys and because he found favor in the eyes of the warden, the warden decided to say, you know what, Joseph, you're my man. I want you to keep track of everything that's going on in the prison. People that are on death row, people who are executed, people who are new ones coming in. And so he basically kept the roles and everything organized within the framework of the prison. And what I love about this is I saw a principle here that I think I can really relate to. It's, see, in principle number three is resilient people find ways to excel in the most difficult circumstances. You see, you looked at Paul Smith and you look at his life and you say, man, this guy's got cerebral palsy. He really doesn't, you know, he's really struggling. How, how could this guy ever do anything in his life? In fact, if you read about his story, his family never even put him in a school situation or a school environment. He never had any education because they never thought that he could do what he could do. And, but yet he overcame all of that and excelled in this particular area of his life. And if you think about the word excel, it means excellence. And so I guess what I'm saying is here, I think resilient people, no matter what their circumstances are, they try to achieve excellence in whatever they do. And that's what Joseph was trying to do here. He had found favor in the eyes of the warden and he had the gifts and the abilities to apparently do this. And so the warden saw him and he said, you know, I'm going to excel in this particular area, even though it's a difficult situation. For some of you, it might be your job where you feel like it's a dead end job and it's really frustrating, but you, and instead of really trying to excel and find excellence in whatever you do, you've just kind of, you know, kind of marking time and just becoming a maintenance ordinary ordered person. And, and, it's, and instead of really excelling in what God has called you to do and to be. So resilient people find ways to excel in the most difficult circumstances. Let's go on in the story because I think it's just fascinating to me and I, I just love this story. And, um, 
And chapter 40, follow along with me in chapter 40, verses one through six. It says, sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials. We don't know why, but he was the chief cupbearer and the chief baker and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Now the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt who were being held in prison had a dream the same night and each dream had a meeting of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. I'm going to stop right there. So here's these two guys, basically the butler and the baker, who got thrown into prison for doing something that ticked off the Pharaoh. And he's the, they're assigned to Joseph. And guess what? They have dreams. What do we know about Joseph? The guy is amazing how God has gifted him and able to interpret dreams. Isn't it interesting how God kind of orchestrates these divine appointments in our lives? That it's just the right time and the right place. And so principle number four I want to share with you is this. Before we get to that point, principle number four is that resilient people are still concerned about the needs of others even though their own circumstances are difficult. Now think about this for a minute. Joseph was in prison for doing the right thing. He could have been narcissistic. He could have been selfish. He could have been bitter. He could have been all those things that could have, you could list out as to how he could really feel. And yet two guys show up that he's got charged with. And what's the thing that he sees? He says, hey, guys, something's bugging you. Um, you seem dejected. You seem down. Can, can, can I help? It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, how many of us, when we're feeling sorry for ourselves, we forget about people that are around us that are hurting probably more than we are. And here's a guy who was so resilient, he was able in the midst of his difficult circumstances to reach out to these two guys who he never had a clue who they were. But he was so aware of the needs of the people around him that was more important than his circumstances. And I think resilient people have that kind of, that kind of, I don't know, characteristic that really is enjoyable. I, I, I'm just thinking about some people in my lifetime who I've been around who uh, I remember a good friend of mine who had MS and his name was Aid. And Aid was a dear friend of mine. He was in my church back in Phoenix. And I, MS is just a horrible thing. And, and, and I was watching him deteriorate little by little. And I'd go over and I'd visit him and I would give him massages and I would help change his catheter and do all these things. I just loved Aid so much. But Aid was always more concerned about me than I was about him. And it just always would blow me away. And I'd come away so refreshed every time I'd go and visit Aid where I think I'm going to minister to Aid and Aid's ministering to me. You met people like that? And I think for me, a lot of people in my life who have been suffering from, I had two people suffering from ALS, they were good friends of mine. And, and those people that, that rise above that and still care about other people around them and see needs around them, even though their circumstances seem so difficult, those are the resilient people in my life. And that's the way Joseph was with these two guys. Why are your faces so sad, he says. I just love that about him. 
But let's move on in the story because it really gets rather complicated, I think, or interesting at best. In verse 7, it says, So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Well, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Oh, really? Well, then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Well, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him in verse 9, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. And so Joseph says, Okay, this is what it means. Joseph said to him, the three branches are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head up and restore you to your position, and you will be, put Pharaoh's, you'll be putting Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this place. <laughs> so what I see here in Joseph is that even though he was blooming where he was planted, he obviously wanted a, a different garden, if you will. Now look at what happens. Is, uh, he said, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Well, now the baker comes along. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. Well, this could get a little dicey. On my head were three baskets of bread, and in the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Well, this is what it means. Joseph said, the three baskets are three days, and within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. <laughs> well, praise God. Thank you, Joseph, right? <laughs> so now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all the officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, I, I read this and I think, Joseph had a lot of nerve to be able to tell the truth and here's what I see as a principle. Resilient people willingly share their giftedness when called upon. And, and I think this is really a critical one because oftentimes we settle in our Christian lives. Every one of us, the Bible says, have been given gifts and talents and abilities. We all have them. And it's really important when we're called upon to be available to use those gifts, no matter how they're used, it's really important. And even though this gift was really something negative in the life of the baker, the point is, is that Joseph was faithful in recognizing this is something that God has given me in my life and I want to use it to further his kingdom and his glory. And my question to you this morning, every one of you sitting here have gifts and talents and abilities. How are you using them? How are you making them available? How is God working in your life? You know, we have no excuse to not be doing something to really build the kingdom of God based upon what God has given to us in terms of our spiritual gifts. So are you available to use your gifts? Even if circumstances are pretty inconvenient. And for some of us, it's not very convenient to use our gifts. 
But in reality, God has given us something to use for him. Are you using it? Are you available to do it? See, resilient people do that. But if you go back to verse 14, Joseph says, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. In verse 23, the cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Here's principle number six, and we're going to talk about this next week because I get to be here for the next three or so weeks, and and so I'm kind of baiting you to come back next week. Um, But here's principle number six. When things don't go your way and people disappoint you, resilient people keep persevering. Look at verse one of chapter 41, which is where we're going to pick up next week. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Two years he had been forgotten by this cupbearer. The disappointment for Joseph must have been overwhelming. People let him down again. His brothers, his family let him down. His brothers let him down. Potiphar's wife let him down. And now the baker lets him down. All for doing the right thing. And if I were Joseph, I would be absolutely so frustrated and so down and so discouraged. And yet we see that he lasted another two years and we don't know exactly what those two years look like, but doggone it, he stayed there another two years before God worked a deal out for him to leave the prison. And so I see it as this, is that resilient people find a way to keep hanging in there when people disappoint us. And we're going to talk about how to do that next week. But the point is this, people may disappoint us, but friend, the Lord never forgets us and he was still with Joseph, amen? And you need to realize that too because there's going to be times where we're going to be so disappointed in other people. I know people have been disappointed with Christians in their lives. I know people have been disappointed with their relatives or their mate or their kids or whatever. But praise God, we do have a God who's never going to let us down. He's always with us. Well, let me conclude by asking you some questions this morning. And you can use these in your small groups if you want, but I think these are questions that we all need to wrestle with. Number one is this. Do you look for ways that God is at work in the midst of your difficult circumstances? Do you look for ways that God is still at work? We're going we're gonna to look at this later on when we're going to see that resilient people see the big picture. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But, but what I sense here is that Joseph was looking consistently for ways that God was still at work. And I think one of the ways that Joseph saw that God was still at work is how he was elevated to a position of authority within the framework of the prison. He saw that God was still at work because he was able to interpret some dreams that God had gifted him with. So he was still seeing something that God was still at work. And I'm guessing I want you to ask yourself, are you seeing in your circumstances that God is still at work, that he's still there, he's still hanging in there, he's still got something in mind? Here's the second question. Are you able to celebrate small victories that God has orchestrated to assure you that he has not abandoned you? It goes along with the first question. What what I've discovered over the years is that there are all kinds of ways that we can see the reality of God at work in our life. 
But the problem with a lot of us is we don't see them. We, we miss them. We, we, we ignore them or we just call it coincidence or we call it other things. And yet in reality, God is still at work. One of the things that it's been interesting for me is to work with pastors of small churches all over the West, as some of you know that I do. And I get together with these pastors of small churches and they kind of get down on themselves because they feel like, you know, my church isn't growing like the church down the street. I'm not as successful as the next guy. And I say, wait a minute, time out, time out. I was just with a pastor not too long ago from Cottonwood and we sat down and talked about it and said, he's in this little tiny church with uh, people that are all over 75 years old. And, and I would say to, say to the pastor, I'd say, pastor, share, share a little victory for me. And he talk about this lady who had just had so many years old, had just received Christ. And I said, did you celebrate that? Well, yeah, I mean, it was, this is God is still at work in your church. And there's times in our lives, I think, where God does these little things, but we're, we're so predisposed to, to, to this negative side of life and thinking that God's never there or he's not real, he's not reacting. And yet when you start looking at these little things and you begin to see them all add up and you all of a sudden get, wow, I need to start celebrating some of those things instead of feeling down all the time. So that's question number two. Here's number three. What are ways that you can excel in the difficult situation that you're facing right now? You may be a young mom and you have a difficult situation where you've got some kids that you're raising. How are you going to find excellence in your mothering? How are you going to find excellence in your retirement? Where are you going to excel in your retirement? Are you going to just sit and just enjoy life and kind of do your own thing? Or is there a way that God wants you to excel in that particular environment or that particular place where you're blooming or planting right now? How am I going to excel in my job? How am I going to excel as a father, as a husband? How am I going to raise my level of excellence in each area of my life? Because that's what resilient people do. They find ways to rise to the top. So that's question number three. Here's number four. God has said in this, in Second Corinthians chapter one, that we receive comfort so others may be comforted. So my question is, how have you been able in the past or the present to use your experience to minister to those who are hurting? I didn't share this first hour, but I was thinking about my, my daughter and son-in-law who are struggling with their 19-year-old daughter, my granddaughter, and it's been a really hard road and, uh, you know, rebellion and all kinds of things. And one of the things that my wife, Lynn, keeps telling my daughter is say, honey, you're going to have a wonderful opportunity to really encourage other parents who thought they've done things right, who have a rebellious child, and God's going to use that. And that's what, that's what God does. He's, he's, he's comforting you in your environment so that you have the ability to comfort somebody else. You can relate. You can understand. You've experienced this. And every one of you sitting here this morning have had various experiences in your life that God has allowed you to go through and not for no reason. And resilient people find out what the needs are around them and they share that experience so that they can comfort others just like Joseph did when he saw the downcast face of these two guys. Here's the question number five. People will always, always, always disappoint us. Amen? That's life. Because people are human. People mess up. But how have you battled through those disappointments in your own life? I, I've been struggling with some disappointment in my own life in the last couple of weeks. 
And I was talking to Lynn about it the other day and we were discussing it and I was just kind of whining and complaining and how I've been disappointed and frustrated. And, and of course, she said to me, honey, you need to just go have it out with God. And uh, I said, well, it's not that big a deal. She says, yes, it is. Go have it out with God. So being an obedient husband, I went upstairs to a spare bedroom and I laid down on the bed and I began to pour out my heart to the Lord. And I realized that I wasn't dealing with disappointment in a healthy way. That I'd been hurt and that's okay, but I needed to acknowledge that. But I also needed to forgive and I needed to repent myself. And it was a real time of cleansing for me. And I remember getting up from the bed that day and it was just like a burden had been lifted off my life because I wasn't dealing with disappointment well until I really sat down with God and we're gonna go there next week. So I'm gonna kind of keep you hanging on that particular point. But the, the point I wanna make to you is how do you deal with your disappointments? Do you whine and complain and get cynical and angry and bitter? Because let's face it, you've disappointed people, right? Don't we all? And people disappoint us, that's life. And Pierce Joseph, who was so disappointed, I'm sure, with the baker, disappointed with his brothers, maybe disappointed with his dad, Jacob, disappointed with, with, with life, frustrated beyond belief, and yet the guy just seemed to be able to hang in there. And I'm gonna show you, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, how he processed all of that and came out on the other side with a victorious life. So let's, let me just close by asking you this. Maybe some of you are sitting here are in a situation in your life right now where you've, you're not in prison, obviously, but there are circumstances that are really hard for you. There, there are some difficult times for you. It might be financial, it might be physical, it might be emotional, there might be relational issues going on in your life, in your family or whatever. And, and you, you're kind of in this, this place where you really need to understand again that God's with you. Don't forget that. He hasn't left you. If anybody's probably left, it's you right? You know, the old story, if, if, if you don't feel close to God, who moved? You know, it's probably you. And, and, and if you're going through that right now, I want to challenge you to really look at Joseph's life and kind of take these principles and just kind of envelop them and think about them and meditate them on and see how you're doing and to see that you can come out on the other end with this resilient attitude that Joseph had. So would you pray with me for a minute? Well, your heads are bowed. Maybe you're that person where you, you're feeling a little bit like, oh God, it's, uh, circumstances right now just aren't the best. It's really frustrating. And, and I know based upon what you've said, Pastor Tom, today that I need to bloom where I'm planted. I know it's hard right now, but I, I wanna bloom where I'm planted. And I'm struggling. If, if you're there and you, you'd like for me to pray for you, not individually, but just corporately, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Would you just lift your hand up? I'd love to do that for you this morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's many. You're just kind of struggling. And I want to pray for you. God, there are folks in this room that maybe could feel really frustrated and it's hard right now. And Lord, I just lift them up to you. Help them to know that you're not, you haven't abandoned them, that you still love them. Help them to see those, those moments or those, those days of a little bit of light that you have shed on it, that, that they see that you're still involved in their life and you still care about them and you still love them. 
I just pray that you would encourage them, that you would help them to know that without you, life is so frustrating. There may even be somebody here this morning that doesn't know you, never met you, doesn't really see you as a reality. And God, I pray for that person this morning that they would reach out to you with their whole heart and say, God, I need you in my life. It's no fun being in life without you. And this morning, that's the desire of your heart. So I lift that person up to you as well. God, thank you for the privilege it is to share these truths. And as we look forward to next week, we see how Joseph was able to conquer all the disappointments in his life. I pray that it'd be an inspiring and encouraging time for all of us. Thank you for this guy who really lived and who really died and was there historically to give us these role models. So thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.